It was a good trip in New York, and I'd encourage you. It's an experience that, uh, if you get the chance, uh, I think everybody should experience it at least uh, once. Uh, Judy is here. Um, that, I didn't know if Judy was going to make it. We didn't get back to about 12 th- uh, 12.30 last night, so uh, um, it was a really good group. It was a great week, and so they do it every year. So next year, if you're interested, uh, I would encourage you to prayerfully consider going. Two weeks ago... We started talking about the fear of God. In the Bible, in your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. We're going to be looking at a couple of different passages this morning, but Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And two weeks ago, we looked at what is the fear of God. And we said it's this, kind of this uh, holy reverent awe of God that we need to have. It should move and motivate our life. And there's a lot of things that make us afraid. On Monday night, we went with, uh, you can take different things at the, in the evenings. And Monday night, I went with uh, Judy and her granddaughter, um, Hallie, who did a great job. And we went to uh, this restaurant in Little Italy. And then we took the Staten Island Ferry close to the Statue of Liberty. You ride out there about 10 minutes and then you get off these big ferries, you kind of make this big loop, and you get back on the ferry to go back to uh, Manhattan. And so there's a whole group of us that are going, and so we all get together, we make it across to Staten Island, we're walking, and I'm ahead, I'm ahead of Judy and the, the rest of the pack, and you know, it's New York, it's very fast, they got to do things on time, and so you make this big loop, and we get to the door, and there's these glass doors. I step, I, I turn around, and Judy's texting somebody or something. Uh, and I said, Judy, we gotta, we gotta keep going. The doors are gonna shut. And so I step across the line. And as soon as I step across, there's about 11 people left in our group, and Judy and her granddaughter. The door shuts, and they are not gonna be able to go on the ferry with us. Um, now I've been on mission trips numerous times, and on one mission trip, the van caught on fire. Uh, last year on a missions trip, uh, we got the van towed in Philly. And here I am in New York, and I just lost Judy the van. And I had thought, well, I'm never going to see her again. She is gone. Little Jerry's going to kill me. Little strike of fear. Um, and so I, I threw out the elderly card to all the people that are in the group. I said, call over there. There's this Judy. Uh, there's, uh, she's, she's an elderly lady. So all these people uh, were around her asking her, uh, Judy, are you okay? Judy, are you okay? So they got Judy back to us. There's all these little things like that that cause us sometime to, I said her husband, they kept asking me how she's doing. I said her husband was a Milwaukee cop. She's pretty tough. She'll be um, okay. But there are all these things that cause us fear. And we looked at last week and said we need to have a right fear of God. Martin Luther said there that in his life there is a wrong fear of God that you can have. And we talked about that. Martin Luther said this, I lost touch with Christ the Savior and Comforter and made him made of him the jailer and hangman of my poor soul. There is a wrong way to fear God. And we talked about that. This week We wanted to look at how then do we grow in the fear of God. The fear of God, listen, is not another requirement. This is not something else to add to what you're supposed to do. The fear of God is how you meet God. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a believer because in you, you have the fear of God. It's what made you see that there is a better way. Without the fear of God, you never would have seen that there was 
a better way. You found that there was a way that you should go. That's the fear of God in you. So if you're a believer, if you know Jesus, you have the fear of God already. It may be very small right now. Or it may be um, very, very little in your life. But we can grow into this. Because it's important. The God that you fear is the guide that you will follow. The God you fear is the guide that you will follow. And the world is like a yo-yo. I mean, I agree with Zane. I've seen all kinds of uh, videos, movies with New York in it. But once I actually got there and saw how many people live on that island packed together and all those islands, it is amazing just to see people everywhere you look. And they're just moving. And they're always going someplace. And it's just nonstop activity. Because the world is like a yo-yo. It is just constantly going down and back up, going down and back up. And people feel, and we even feel that they're free. And so Satan, I think the Bible says that Satan has people on this yo-yo. He lets them kind of go down a little bit. They feel like they're free. They feel like they're getting things figured out. And all of a sudden, he yanks it back up, doesn't he? And that's exactly what he does for people's lives. And for some of you, that's exactly how you feel. Your life is just a constant yo-yo. Every time you feel that you're about ready to get it figured out, all of a sudden something snaps and you are right back up totally lost. Again, the good news of the gospel is that God takes that, and the yo-yo went down, and one day you were snatched. God, Jesus cut the string for you, and he attached it to God's hand. And now you are forever in God's hand. That's the fear of God. For us to be able to have this fear of God, what Satan, C.S. Lewis said this, what Satan put into the heads of our remote ancestors was the idea that they could be like gods. That they could set up their own as if they had created themselves. Be their own masters. Invent some sort of happiness for themselves outside of God. Apart from God. And out of that hopeless attempt has come nearly all that we call human history. Money. Poverty. Ambition. War. Prostitution. Classes. Empires. Slavery. The long, terrible story of men trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. That's Satan just playing with people. He's just got them on a yo-yo. And he'll let them go till they think they are going to be satisfied, they think they're going to be happy, and that he'll snap them right up. The problem is, we are often prone to wander. In our lives. We are even as Christians, you are often prone, aren't you, to walk away from this? We know that we know we have Jesus who's cut the cord for us so we can have life. But we all have hearts that are very much prone to wander away from that. And we still think at times that money, power, all these things, pleasure, will be the thing that most satisfies me. And God says, no, the fear of God is what will be most Satisfying because it is the beginning. Proverbs says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. We serve a Trinitarian God God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons in one. And in that fear of God, when the Holy Spirit convicts you and you say no to Him, you're not fearing God. When Jesus is an image that you created, you're not fearing God. When you don't think about the Father and His power and His creation, you're not fearing God. We serve 
a Trinitarian God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are three persons in one. God is one. And so the fear of God for us has to be this reverential awe of God, this unbelievable awe of his power and his majesty that says yes, absolutely says yes, your will, your way. You are the creator. You're the sustainer. You're the one that keeps things moving. True fear of God is just that. It's a life that constantly is saying yes to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Because you've been around people that when they, when they don't want something, what is it that people do? If they're really adamant about it and they don't want something, you'll say, you want this? They'll say, no. They'll put their hands up, don't they? Just back away. Stay away from me. I don't want that. That's what the Bible says the world is doing. People who don't know Jesus Christ in Romans 1, 1 through 3, it's the whole world putting their hands up to God saying, no, I'm going to go my way. That's not surrender. But when you offer some, something to somebody and they say yes to it, do they do this? Or do they just kind of stick their hands out humbly and say yes? Whatever you give me, I will take. That's the fear of God that we're supposed to develop in our lives. This is what we need to, to say. This is what we should look like before God constantly. Just humbly, yes, I'll take that. I'll take whatever you give me, I will take that. This is saying no to God. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go my way. And Jesus, Jesus says there are great consequences for people who decide to go that way. Jesus talked more about hell than anybody else. I'm just going to read some verses. These are Jesus' words, not my words. Not to scare you from me. This is what Jesus said. When we decide to do this to God and say no and not live in fear of God, he says this, But I say to you, Matthew 5, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Matthew seven nineteen says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Matthew ten twenty eight says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew 25, 41 says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And John three eighteen says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And believe means that you have given your heart, your will, your loyalty, and your commitment to Jesus. If you have not done that, you are standing here this morning like this, saying, I don't fear you, God. No, I don't want what you have to offer. And God says, Jesus himself says, that response right there will send you to hell. Jesus said that. But if you are a believer, if you know Jesus Christ, you do have the fear of God in you. And we need to grow and develop in that fear. We need to say yes to God. And as a Christian, if you're a believer, it is absolute and total surrender that God is asking of you. So let me ask you this. What are you saying no to God about right now? What is it 
that you're saying no to God about. And some people get really angry at God for their life situations. And it's really not God's fault. God said, I want you to do this. And instead of saying yes, they said no. And so now they're all in a mess. And they're, well, God's left me. God's abandoned me. It's not so. So sometimes we have to ask ourselves, what have I said no to God about? What did I say no to God about six months ago or three years ago or five years ago that now I'm in this absolute chaotic mess and I'm going to try and I'm blaming God about when the reality is we need to go back to God and say, you know, I didn't say yes to you. I didn't surrender. I didn't have a fear of you. And I need to repent and come back to that. So what are you saying no to God? Well, you want your, some of you are very close to just having your life explode spiritually in a good way. But every time you get to that point, it seems like all of a sudden it just kind of trickles down. And then you kind of get back to that point a little bit, and then it trickles down. And you can feel it almost. You can taste it. You almost sense a big spiritual breakthrough coming through. But you get to a certain point every single time, and you fall back. It's because there may be an area in your life where you're saying, no, I'll go this far, but I won't say yes to that. I won't fear you enough to say yes to that. Or some of you are so messed up in drama and frustration. It's not God's fault. It's because you didn't say yes to God two years ago, 10 years ago, or 15 years ago. And you're living out the consequences of your own wrong choices. And God says, repent. Go back to that point and repent. So you don't have to keep living those consequences. Live in the fear of God. And the way to have this fear of God, the way we grow in the fear of God, Jesus is the absolute key to how we have this fear of God. Jesus himself had this fear of God. We read this before. It's in Isaiah chapter 11. It says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Jesus was the great, 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 great grandson of Jesse. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what, he sees, what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. Jesus the one we are to imitate, that Jesus lived with a fear of God because God and Jesus are the same and God delights in being God. God loves being God. He worships and honors God. The three persons of the Trinity live in absolute harmony. Jesus had this unbelievable fear of God and it's only, it is only through Jesus that we can get the proper, truly Christian understanding of God. Have you made Jesus to look very similar to you? Does your Jesus think like you? Does he act like you? Does he talk like you? When you and Jesus are praying and communicating the Jesus that you're praying to, is there ever any conflict in your life, any challenge to you? Because if every time you're with Jesus and he never challenges the way you think, the way you act, or the way you deal with people, you're not listening to the Jesus of the Bible. 
You're not. Jesus is our representation of how we understand God. And Jesus is absolutely different from us. As we grow in our understanding of Jesus, if you're really reading and studying the, the, the true Jesus of the Bible, we should constantly be saying, I can't believe Jesus did that. I, I can't believe Jesus would do that. Because I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't hang out with that person. But the Bible says Jesus hung out with those kinds of people. I wouldn't think that way. Jesus thought radically different ways. So if you have lived with Jesus and you pray to Jesus, and this Jesus never challenges the way you think, the way you act, or the way you behave, and he does everything the way you do, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. It's impossible. Because the Jesus of the Bible was extremely radically different. And he challenges us. When's the last time the Jesus of the Bible really challenged you? This was the God. That's the one who really feared God. So if you want to grow in the fear of God, it is begun by Jesus. But not the Jesus that you may have created in your head. The one that's a white, small-town American who loves the same politics that you love, who loves the same types of people that you love, and who likes to do the same types of things that you do. If that's the Jesus that you love, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible should constantly challenge you. You make you say, wow. Jesus would do that? Well, then I need to do that. Jesus would think like that? Man, then I need to repent and think like that. He is the key for us to have this fear of God. But the good news is God is, and Jesus is, more loving and more powerful than we ever imagined. And we are so prone to wander. And that's good for us. Because what that means for us, since God is more loving and more powerful than we can ever imagine, he created the world, he creates and holds all the oceans in the palm of his hand, it says in Isaiah 40, because that is the God that we serve. He turns the hearts of the king wherever he wants. He puts people in places of authority whenever and however he wants, and he removes them whenever and however he wants. He controls everything. He's the creator and author of everything. That God is more loving than I would ever be, and he's more compassionate than I would ever be. And because of that, that's the God of the Bible. That frees us up to actually admit that we don't have it all together, doesn't it? Because if your God is just like you, you're going to constantly be trying to match up to that. Or try to, if it's a God that you create, then you've got to try to work and live in a certain way to meet his standard. But the God of the Bible says, you can't meet my standard. There's no way you can meet my standard. That's why I love you. That's why I came to you, because you can't do it on your own. So you don't have to pretend anymore. You can admit that you're not perfect. You can admit that you have mistakes. You can admit that you have prejudice in your heart. You can admit that you struggle with lust. You can admit that you struggle with being honest. Because God loves us that much. And so it all begins with Jesus. And Jesus says in Isaiah 55 that God says, Come. Anybody that's thirsty, come. Anybody that is hungry, come. Jesus says, Come, I know exactly what you're like, I know exactly how you think, and I still say to you, come. Because as you come to me, as you come in the fear of God and let it grow in your life, as you come 
to that invitation, he cleans you as you get closer. As you come, he creates new thought patterns in your life as you get closer. He gives you comfort as you get closer, and he keeps compelling you to come closer. That's what the fear of God does for you. The fear of God makes you have this such a reverent awe of God. So compelling that you say, wow, that God is unbelievably loving. He is so loving that I don't have to hide anything from him. If you have to hide from God or if you have to hide from other people and you just can't pour out yourself to God when you pray or when you speak to him or you talk to other people, if you can't be 100% honest with where you're at, then you're serving a different God of the Bible. Because the God of the Bible is the everlasting God who loves us so much, there's nothing we can do but just come. Humbly come in unbelievable awe that that God would let us come. That's how you grow in the fear of God. But there is a responsibility as well. Jerry Bridges, who wrote a great book called The Joy of Fearing God, he said this, If you want the fear of God to be a dominant aspect of your day-to-day -day mindset, you must work at it. The Holy Spirit's working in your life if you're a Christian, then you have the fear of God in there. And the Holy Spirit is trying to compel you to come. He's, Jesus is saying, come. If you're hungry, come. If you're thirsty, just come. Come. I love you. You're not going to be able to tell me anything or do anything that I cannot overcome. I'm more powerful. So just rid it all and come. So that's what Jesus has done for us. But then we have to respond. We have to say, I want that in my life. I want to live that kind of life. I want to have a fear of God that is so unbelievably freeing that I can have the joy of fearing God. How do you get that? Real practically, in the next few minutes, let's turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 2. And it says exactly how we can grow in our fear of God. How to grow in our understanding of how to have the freedom of the joy of fearing God. Proverbs chapter 2, the book of Proverbs is all about wisdom. The first eight chapters are talking about wisdom itself, and God just said that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's this concept and knowledge practiced out of how to live for God. And so Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 says this, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commands with you. If you want to grow in the fear of God, listen. The first way is surrender your life completely to Jesus Christ. Receive his forgiveness. Become a follower of Jesus Christ. If you receive my words and treasure up my commands with you. If you have never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, if you're still struggling with God, just come to God. Repent and come to God. It's the first way you start to grow. It's the first step of beginning to have this fear of God. That's why if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have in you, it may be a very small seed, but you have in you a fear of God that can grow and develop. It's not a new requirement. This is what Christians already have in them. We just need to develop it and water it and let it grow in our lives. The second thing he says this, making... Verse 3, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hid treasure. The only way to really fear God 
And the right way is to become a follower of Jesus, who is God. And once you do that, then you can cry out to God. That is a conversation you're trying to have with somebody. Cry out to me. Seek me. That's called prayer. That's how we communicate to God. If you want to grow in your fear of God, then you've got to be prayer. It's the, it's the first foundation is praying and calling out to God. And God says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So if you want to grow in your fear of God, then grow in prayer. Be somebody who passionately goes after God in prayer. Pray. Ask God to help you develop this fear of God. Psalms 86, 11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. That's a prayer. If you want to fear God, then begin praying. Say, so I don't really like to pray. I don't understand prayer. I'm confused by prayer. Then just pray. And ask the God who says to pray, ask him to teach you how to pray. And be a person of prayer. Seek God in prayer. Surrender your life. Feast on prayer. Devour it like it's food. Incline your heart to it. He wants to give us this ability of an undivided heart. Pray Psalms 86.11 daily. That God would give you that kind of heart and a fear of God. And then he says in verse 4, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, you dig in. Dig in to where you're at the source of where that's going to be, which is God's word. If you're, you're, you're going to be a person that grows in your fear of God, the real God, not the God that you may create in your head that never challenges you, but the God of the Bible Jesus himself, you've got to be in his word and read it and dig into it and think deeply about that God. You've got to spend time in God's word. John Bunyan, who wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, said this, The fear of God flows from a sound impression that the word of God makes on our souls. For without an impress of the word, there is no fear of God. Hence it is said that God gave to Israel good laws, statutes, and judgments, that they might learn them, and in learning them, learn to fear the Lord their God. For as a man drinks good doctrine into his soul, so he fears God. If he drinks in much, he fears him greatly. If he drinks in but a little, he fears him but little. If he drinks in not at all, he fears him not at all. If you're a believer, you have the fear of God in you. If you don't have a desire for God's word, that's a very good sign that you might not really be a believer. Because the fear of God will give you this desire for your word. It's something you can grow. So develop it. Study it. Spend time in God's word. Devour God's word. The more you spend time in God's word, the more the fear of God is going to grow. And the last way this morning just to grow in the fear of God is to find pleasure in the providence of God. All of the world is operating in what seems like craziness, doesn't it? We're always moving around. We're going here. People are going here. I met people last week I never saw in my life. I'll never see them again. And they have unbelievably packed out full schedules. There are people moving everywhere. But we believe, and the Bible says that God is the creator and sustainer of everything. And he has providence 
over everything. So that everything that takes place in our world was designed and planned and organized by God. He puts everything together. Everything that you are going through, everything that you've been through, everything you're going to be going through this week is part of the divine providence of God. God's orderly plan for your life. The reality of life is God's way in his providence. And most of us don't find often pleasure in God's providence, do we? Tuesday, when your car breaks down, which is the providence of God in your life, do we often find pleasure with that? When your air conditioning goes off in the biggest heat wave of the year, do we find pleasure in that? The Bible says that is all part of God's divine providence. He is control in control of everything, every, every situation. His unseen hand is orchestrating all these events. And it is awesome when we find pleasure in God's providence. I'm just going to close with four stories from New York the divine providence of God. About 40 years ago, there was this girl from India who moved to Canada because her family told her she, she should go to Canada. So she came, went to Canada, had a chance to go down to New York City. So she went down to New York City, was walking around New York City. She was a Hindu, picked up a newspaper one day. She opened it up, and as she was just looking, all of a sudden, her heart started to literally beat faster. And she closed it. It was the church directory page. And so she thought, that was weird. My heart just started to beat faster. So she closed it, opened it up again. She just got this uh, physical reaction to the newspaper on the church directory. Said It was a Saturday. She just started going down the list. She called a church. And the pastor was in his office. He answered it, started talking to her. And he goes, well, that's interesting because I'm a, I was a former Hindu as well. And over the phone, he leads her to the Lord. That is the providence of God bringing two people together in an amazing way. There was a guy from our group. Um, the Brooklyn Bridge was really close to us where we stayed at our hotel. And Tuesday night, him and another guy walked down to this ice cream place that we walked down to twice. It was closed. So finally got to it, but we walked down to this ice cream place. Him and this other guy, they sat down under the Brooklyn Bridge, bought some ice cream, and they started to talk. And they said, let's walk up on the bridge. And so they started to walk up on the bridge. And as they were walking this way, another guy walked past him. And one of the guys heard the guy say, I'm going to kill myself. And so these two Christians, they turned around, started walking back. And they stood real close to him all the way back over the Brooklyn Bridge on Tuesday night. And they'd kind of get in his way because he'd stop and look over the bridge. And then they'd, they'd kind of bump him and let, let them know that they were there. They get all the way across the bridge. And the guy starts to turn down to go to the subway. And he turns around, looks him right in the face, and he says, thank you for doing that. Because I was, the guy said, I heard you were going to kill yourself. And he goes, yeah, I was. But I, I, I'm going to promise you I'm not going to do it today. That's the providence of God designing and orchestrating that. What's even more amazing, that this guy who did that, four people he knew in the last year had committed suicide. So he's extremely sensitive to that. How many of us, if I was walking across the bridge, I heard that? I don't know if I would have turned around. Because God providentially provided in his life all these examples of suicide. He was all over it. And this guy turned around and he did not commit suicide. Jamie was out passing out. Um, at a prayer station one day, and a guy comes running up to her. You got something to read? You got something to read? And she, he didn't know us, and, he, and she said, yeah. And he goes, has it got the book of John in it? We, and she goes, 
yeah, and she said, well, let me go get you a Bible. So she went and had a New Testament. She went over and got a Bible instead, and, she, and he said, uh, she, he gave him the Bible, and he goes, flipped it like he didn't know what it was. Okay, does it got the book of John in it? And she goes, yeah, and he goes, well, okay, I guess I'll just read the whole book. And he took off running. That stuff happened all week last week. That is the providence of God that would take a teacher from Sandwich, plant her on a street in New York, just in time for this guy who needs and wants to read the Gospel of John, that God's been working on in his life, would connect them together. You say, that's really cool, Paul. Those are all stories from New York and 50 years ago. This is back to reality, Paul. Things don't like that happen around here. You, know, you can just preach all you want. Nothing big is going to happen in this town. A week ago... Julie Vocal is sitting at Walgreens on Main Street in Sandwich. And she looks over at a lady who had her hands in her head. And Judy says, excuse me, Julie says, that's just odd. There's something wrong with this. And Julie uh, starts to leave and she feels compelled. That maybe I should go back and talk to this um, lady. She drives off. She drives back to Walgreens. The lady's still there sitting in her car. And so Julie gets out of her car walks into Walgreens, taps her on the shoulder, and says, um, are you okay? And the lady turns around to her and says, are you a Christian? And this was, lady was a Christian. She was going through an unbelievable, difficult time. Judy, uh, Julie ended up talking to her for 45 minutes. That is a divine, providential appointment of God. The God, the Holy Spirit, set up. And if we will be Growing in the fear of the Lord. Those things can happen more often in Salmonach and Sandwich and Yorkville and Plano and Hinkley if we will surrender ourselves and say, yes, God, yes, I'll give up an hour of my day to go back to talk to somebody at Walgreens. I'll save 1200 bucks, and next summer I'll stand on a street corner in New York and let people come to me. That's growing in the fear of the Lord. God does all these things in his providence. He directs every little detail of your life. And the more you learn by the Holy Spirit's power to find pleasure in this orchestrated plan of God, it will free you to live an unbelievable life. The Apostle Paul lived that way. He knew God was in control. So when things went bad, he didn't care. God was going to provide for him. So what's, what's the worst that they can do? Throw him in prison? He would enjoy prison. God would provide people there. If he dies, he's going to heaven. Paul lived in great pleasure in the fear of God and the providence, providential plan of God. God is an unbelievable conductor of an amazing orchestra called the world. If you have ever been around somebody who loves music, who writes music, they write it out, don't they? They plan it out. They toil over it. They think deeply about it. They use every creative energy that they have into that piece of work. And I know people get upset with this, and they don't understand it. But God is greater and bigger than you, and it says in Psalms 139, every day of your life was planned out as if you'd already lived it. You are living the life that God providentially planned out for you, it says. As a master conductor, he sat down and wrote every note of your life with all the energy, all the creativity, and all the passion that he could. You say, well, then why do I have to live? Why live the reality? Because every conductor loves to hear the music played. And so God created you, he put us on the earth, and he is now living this unbelievable orchestra. And when we surrender and say yes to God, 
And when we allow him to let these providential things come out, God gets glory. And when you stop when talk to somebody that needs to be talked to, when you study the word, when you pray, when you allow yourselves to enjoy God's providence and the fear of God and freely just play, God the conductor is highly glorified listening to the music that he created and knows what it's supposed to sound like and that gives him joy and it gives you joy to be a part of it. That's growing in the fear of the God. Don't be a broken instrument for God. Grow in the fear of God. It is unbelievably marvelous what God plans. The God that you fear is the guide that you will follow. What God are you fearing? Are you fearing the God of the Bible, the God who wants you to pray and pour out your life to him? Are you fearing the God of the Bible who wrote a letter to you and says, study it so you'll know me more? Are you delighting in every providence that he plans for your life and taking advantage of this to be a part of this unbelievable orchestra of music that God has? It is unbelievably marvelous what God has done. Grow in the fear of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, thank you for sending Jesus Christ to us. God, thank you for loving us so much. Yeah, words can't even express. We are so hard-hearted, so difficult. We have so many other things going on in our lives that are often we need you to break through, Holy Spirit, in a powerful way. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just wake us up to this need to be drawn to you, that we would come to you. Help us as a church and as individuals to be sensitive, to pray, to read your word. So when you bring us, by your providence, opportunities, we would jump at the opportunity. God, help us as a church and as individuals to grow in our fear of you. And let it be a joy and a delight that we can worship you and praise you. Holy Spirit, we need your help. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.